Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about an incredible company called Air Doctor Pro. You can go to airdoctorpro.com, use the promo code Fasting for Life to receive up to $300 off one of their amazing air filters. Um, by supporting them, you're supporting us and the show. I want to tell you an incredible testimony. We now know that the indoor air is two to five, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted um, than the outdoor air, according to the EPA. And my son has been struggling with sleep. He hasn't slept. He's over two years old. He hadn't slept through the night his entire life. My wife and I had done everything. We could not figure it out. We put an Air Doctor Pro in his room, and I am not kidding. The first night he slept through the night, up he went over 30 nights in a row for the first time ever, sleeping through the night. We don't know what it did or what was in the air because we've had our house tested but whatever it's doing is allowing him to rest and sleep peacefully for the first time. And for that, it is absolutely priceless. Air Doctor Pro comes with 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund. Mine is shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code Fasting for Life to receive up to $300 off any of their air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code Fasting for Life. Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Going to have a good conversation today, and I'm hoping, as always, that it'll be actionable uh, and enlightening for all of y'all listeners. So just, um, I don't really know where today's going to go. Full transparency. We've we've talked around these conversations, you know, pretty much uh, week in and week out in our groups and uh, underlying challenges and communications back and forth with you guys. And one of the things that I love about the conversation today is it's going to be around one of the main topics as to why people come to fasting. So we're going to talk about weight loss, but we're also going to talk a little bit about the mythical creature uh, called metabolism and mm. talk through some of uh, what we feel uh, leads to fasting as being a beneficial way to get the best of both worlds when you are living in an insulin friendly or fasting friendly lifestyle compared to the calorie counting, macro counting, um, low and slow calorie restriction world. So not really sure, like I said, Tommy, where it's going to go. I know you and I each have our um, thought processes on this, but I'm excited to have the conversation because there's a couple of cool takeaways at the end that I think are going to put a nice kind of bow on things. Um, and then there'll be, as always, an action step that we can put in to level up our fasting game, which is ultimately getting the results of long-term weight loss and health benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that, that mythical word, that metabolism, you know, we, we each have our, our histories with that word. And I, I think just the idea of 
slowing my own metabolism or, you know, just kind of the, the fear and the, the hesitation around it is, is, is kind of what kept me from actually discovering fasting much sooner, uh, much earlier in my journey. Um, because right. I, I didn't want to do that. And I knew, um, I had heard that before and, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of, um, misunderstandings and a lot of, um, you know, claims out there regarding metabolism. And so it, it can be kind of a, a, a frustrating, uncertain thing to kind of navigate. Yeah. So with metabolism, two things, um, the, the article that we are going to discuss is, and this came from, um, a summary of the, the actual research article. And the summary was, you know, it, to be, um, enlightening or, or to catch your eye, it says, is it true that weight loss can result in a slow metabolism? Right. And mm -hmm. one of the things that's out there that you hear a lot, or you can, you can hear, you know, or see in your, in your circles of friends and family coworkers is, you know, the lore that someone has a fast metabolism is someone, you know, that has a high resting metabolic rate, him or her can eat an infinite amount of food with any, without any fat gain, but that's not absolutely true. So going past like the growth years, right? So when we're growing and developing as kids into young adults, as an adults, once you get past that, the, these such, these, these unicorns don't exist. You know, some adults do have slightly higher RMRs or resting metabolic rates than other people. Um, but the inter-individual variations tend to stay within about two to 300 kilocals per day. So people that typically have higher caloric needs, which is that higher resting metabolic rate tend to compensate by eating more so that one's natural, th that person's natural resting, resting metabolic rate is then a poor predictor of weight gain, um, over, over the long term. So with that being said, um, the reason I like that the the summary that caught my eye on can losing weight cause a slow metabolism, this study we looked at it was a systemic review and it was out of the um, British Journal of Nutrition in 2021, and it talks about a a, a term called adaptive thermogenesis. So the the actual article is called "Does Adaptive Thermogenesis Occur After Weight Loss in Adults?" and this is a systemic review. So this looks at a bunch of different studies and then comes with, comes up with a couple of take-home messages, which we're going to reinforce by some studies on actual fasting um, windows that we use a lot, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, the timing anywhere from 18 all the way up to 48, sometimes 72 hours. Yeah. And, um, you know, just to be clear, uh, I wanted to kind of define adaptive thermogenesis, uh, that process being um, basically the, the the compensation that the body can, can go through can actually adapt to uh, burning calories and burning energy at a different rate, especially when we go through a period of change in our actual input. So um, reducing or increasing our calories uh, that we have coming in, and then the body has different mechanisms um, to do what it loves to do, which is maintain homeostasis. So it, the body doesn't like to change. It much prefers to stay comfortable, continue doing what it's been doing. Uh, that's much easier. It gets very efficient at doing that. Um, and so in, um, it has different levers to pull to actually change 
metabolic rate and, and thermogenesis um, it, given different levels of input. So one thing, if you are in this space and you're familiar with things like adaptive thermogenesis and SEE and RMR and NEAT, um, all of these different categories of what your body does with the, the food energy that you bring in, then the article probably isn't going to have a big aha moment for you. But there's a couple of connection points or nuanced things here, Tommy, that you and I really like about it. And the one is that adaptive thermogenesis, one of the main takeaways from the study is that it's probably non-statistically relevant for most people. And, but it does take into account that adaptive thermogenesis typically, um, not typically, it has, it involves interactions between other hormones that we see improve when fasting. Things like um, the hormones uh, leptin and ghrelin, which are the two that tell your body to that you're hungry or that you're full, insulin, thyroid hormones, stress hormones like cortisol, norepinephrine, epinephrine. So when we're looking at this, um, the systemic review of the 33 studies, it was, it was saying that adaptive thermogenesis is a potential problem for the maintenance component. Like meaning when you get to your ideal weight, um, or in the process of hitting the plateaus to get to your ideal weight, adaptive Mm -hmm. thermogenesis can be one of the major roadblocks because as your body, body down regulates, um, it's energy it being burned off through AT, um, you, you eventually need less when you get to your end goal, sure. but we want to make sure that we're not inducing this AT, which is going to cause us to never get to that end goal. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. And I think that's an important point, um, as well, that that's oftentimes misunderstood or not talked about, which is the fact that when, you know, if, if you go through a substantial weight loss phase, Let's say, let's say you, you lose 30 pounds, um, let alone more than that. But even if you, you lose 30 pounds, that can be a, a 10 or 15% reduction in how many overall calories you're going to be burning um, on a day-to-day basis. So that means going through that transition, you're going to be slowly needing um, fewer and fewer calories as you go through. And if, if your weight loss is even greater than that, then, then the difference is going to be even more substantial than that too. And I, I think that um, just knowing that going forward means that if I ate the exact same things that I did, um, even just to maintain my old higher weight, then I will be storing those extra calories as long-term fat deposits, even after I reached my maintenance goal. So just understanding that I'm, I'm going to need to ingest a little bit less when I get to that, um, that end goal is, is an important consideration. And this is one of the things that it, it took me, you know, going through my, my powerlifting Olympic lifting days and, you know, just consuming consistently, right. Trying to get bigger, get bulkier, move more weight, those types right. of things. Then I would try to lose weight after the, you know, like bulking four and to six, yeah, four to six years of doing that where I was like, okay, I don't feel good. My joints hurt my blood pressure is rising in my mid twenties. This something doesn't seem right here. So then I tried to lose the weight and I didn't learn this until a couple of years down the road. Um, when I really got into the nutritional side of things and then eventually got, went back to get my doctorate and go through the, the, the program and get open my clinic and all that kind of stuff. It was before then when I didn't realize that like when you set your macros and your restriction, you know, if you're following the calorie tracking model, that you should be using your goal weight 
to set those as your as your restriction. So I always had this problem of like, oh, I need to exercise to burn off the more, more calories. And then, and then, okay, then I'm going to follow the dietary adherence portion, right? Like I'm going to stick mm. to it Monday through Saturday, and then I'm going to have my, my cheat meal or my, my, my reward on Sunday. And then, mm-hmm. then I'll um, make sure to stick to my consistent exercise, you know, burn those calories and stay moving and make sure I'm focusing on sleep, which back then really wasn't a consideration for me. So what I liked about this article was that that point that you just made, which is you, you are going to need less if you've got some substantial weight to lose, like 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Yeah. Your body doesn't require the same energy needs um, as a metabolic rate uh, right. an example when you get there. So one of the things about AT or adaptive thermogenesis was, which caught my attention, um, was that it may play a role in the, the the situation that we never want to happen, which is you gain the weight back, right? You put all that time, mm-hmm. effort, and energy of getting into a, a slight caloric restriction and putting all ramping up the willpower, and then you go through, and then eventually um, you fall off the the air quotes dietary diet um, portion of your plan, and then the exercise kind of wanes and waxes based on, you know, you know, your, your life experiences through that time. Yeah. And it, 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 the, the cool thing is, is, um, you know, knowing that AT may play a role in that, I want to make sure that we land the plane on how we can talk about a couple of things that we can do to avoid this actually being a problem and making sure that when we do get to that end rate, that end goal, that our metabolism is healthy, our relationship with food is healthy, and that we're going to be able to maintain those results and not give it all back. Yeah, and and I, I think that that's that's a really important consideration of of kind of beginning with the end in mind, like we like to say. And you know, uh, so understanding that you're going to need a little a little bit less uh, calories at the end goal is is a, is an important first step, I think, because I think that that even that need right there is sometimes miscategorized as a slower metabolic rate. And so if you, if you reached a maintenance goal or you had a significant weight loss, and then you figured out, you know what I have, I I need less calories now, um, not misattributing that to a slower metabolism, I think is an important first step to kind of, um, protect your psychology that this was still a win. You, you, you got there, the, the right way, even if you have a, a little bit of a, a, a lower caloric need, but, you know, further to your point there that protecting and, and enhancing your metabolism throughout the process is a really important um, point as well. And, you know, that's, that's where fasting really can come in because the, the basic science of fasting, uh, one of the first things that, that we started to talk about um, on the podcast and what, what helped us kind of get past those initial hurdles of even trying fasting early in the journey was those initial boosts in metabolic rate that we see um, right. during certain fasting uh, intervals, right? Hey, fasting fam, want to let you know about an incredible company that we've partnered with, AquaTrue.com, promo code fasting for life to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. These are not your old school um, pitcher filters or your refrigerator filters. We're talking about a proprietary four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. Their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing, which if you've priced those whole home water filtration systems, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These 
incredible countertop versions. They do have one under sink mounting model as well, but they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, like I mentioned, and they're specifically designed to combat this new group of chemicals that the Environmental Working Group has done a deep dive on, these forever chemicals called PFAS or PFASs. These are in 45% of our U.S. tap water, 45%. These things can lead to endocrine system disruption, certain types of cancers, liver toxicity. And I'm so glad that there's now a countertop affordable version of this incredible technology. So as we fast, we know that water outside of a little black coffee and tea is the only thing that we drink. So if we're trying to get the biggest bang for our buck, we're trying to increase autophagy and allow our bodies to heal, shed the weight, get healthy, reverse disease, then why not give it the absolute best quality water that you can? So AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It even makes a great gift, like I mentioned, my aunt and uncle. Um, Today, as one of our loyal listeners, if you support them, you're supporting us, you're going to get 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code FASTINGFORLIFE, F-A-S-T-I-N-G-F-O-R-L-I-F-E. That's 20% off any of the AquaTrue water purifiers at AquaTrue.com. Yeah, and, and the study comes right out and says, uh, furthermore, you know, the, this concern of adaptive thermogenesis or your body down-regulating the metabolism, right? So now it's slower or it doesn't have the same ability to burn off the same amount of food. Well, one, we already kind of just talked through that. Well, you're going to need less when you get there. Right. But um, the effect of this seems to be attenuated or non-existent after periods of weight stabilization or neutral energy balance. Mm. And this is where I like where, you know, like you were just alluding to where fasting comes into play. Um, So interspersing periods of energy restriction with periods of energy balance or something as simple as just walking more can mitigate these small potential problems when it comes to this air quotes, slowing of the metabolism. So yeah, specifically, Tommy, I think you were referring to that study um, that was looking at the 36 hour fasting mark when we see an actual increase in our metabolic rate. And then all the way up to about 72 hours and at 72 hours, it doesn't really seem to change any further than that. Yeah. And the other study was, I'll just give them both to you and then we can unpack it a little bit. Um, And I think this is what you were alluding to was the one that where the adrenaline was found to be increased at 72 hours, but not 36. But when adrenaline was measured at 48 hours, it seemed to induce a larger production of heat, which is thermogenesis. So one of the things that we see with our fast cycling methods that we use is, and how I lost all the weight back in the day, if you want to hear it, go back and search for the podcast or go back and listen to the original couple episodes um, is, you know, we use these, these cycles of fasting anywhere between 18, all the way up to about 72 hours. The majority of them fall in that 22 to 36 hour range, which Mm -hmm. is where we see the increase in metabolic rate counteracting the the concern that this article was mentioning about slowing the metabolism due to adaptive thermogenesis. And then furthermore, at 48 hours, we see an actual increase in that to help your body balance. And that's one of the things, one of the biggest takeaways for me is, um, you know, there are ways to directly stimulate adaptive thermogenesis and that's consistent exercise, aerobic Mm -hmm. activity. 
So if you're, if you don't exercise at all, simply adding walking in could be a key component, um, to, you know, getting the, the scale moving, um, and, and kind of fitting fasting into how can I make sure that I'm not doing anything to hurt myself long-term? Yeah. I, I, and I like to, to visualize this, uh, as you, you know, if, if the body likes to stay comfortable, if it likes homeostasis, it, it likes, um, it can easily tell when we just go, okay, let's do maybe a 500 calorie deficit, right? For example, and, and over a week that should be in theory about burning about a pound of fat um, each week. But, you know, it, reducing our, our caloric intake by a set amount every single day, we do the same thing. That's what we call low and slow, just that kind of eat less, move more, low and slow. That's the easiest thing for the body to adapt to because it gets really, really predictable really quickly. And it doesn't take long for the body to just shut down a little bit of hormone production, just kind of turn the thermostat down a little bit and, and decrease output. And it's really easy to kind of balance that out. Whereas when we're doing fasting, it's, it's much more on off. It's, it's more dramatic and it's less predictable for the body to just go, I know what you're about to do now and I, I can adapt to it. So it, it, you can't really do that the same way because it's, it's just much more um, black or white on or off. And so using uh, like, let's say a 36 hour fast. And we see this metabolic boost. We see a little bit more adrenaline, a little more growth hormone, all of these things coming up. And, and these things are, are metabolically protective. And then we get a little bit more time to, um, increase insulin sensitivity and burn through some of those long-term fat stores. Like now we're looking at, at the right way to do it in a way that the body doesn't just simply adapt in a homeostatic mechanism for and if you're listening, you're like, well, I started fasting, I lost 12 pounds, or, you know, someone's done our challenge, they lost, we had one, one person lose 18 pounds in 10 days when we did the 10 day challenges, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Well, isn't adaptive thermogenesis or part of this whole problem, like, isn't rapid weight loss potentially lead to that? And, and yes, it can. But when you add in the balancing of the hunger hormones, the decrease in the insulin resistance, which is your body's inability to process to get you into fat burning mode, to process the food and the fuel that you're bringing in. Mm. So interspersing those periods of food feast versus famine or food, you know, uh, versus fasting, however you want to look at it, you're going to get the best of both worlds. You're going to be able to stoke the fire short term and then avoid the pitfalls of the old model, right. That we we talk a lot about and we juxtapose how we used to live until how we live now and how a lot of our, you guys listening live, because you're adapting that fasting lifestyle. So um, I just love the fact that it's it started from a place of, uh-oh, let's make sure that there's not something here that could be, you know, um, slowing the metabolism. And that's why I right. love the fact that this looked at 38 different studies, you know, different, there was a whole wide breadth of randomized versus non-randomized versus per, per observational studies, et cetera. So not all the best cream of the crop stuff, but the fact that we can look at it and say, okay, for the, for the common person who's looking to lose weight and never put it back on, here are the few things that we can do. You can put in fasting, using fasting windows from 18 all the way up to 72 hours. Typically, you're going to range in that 18 to 30 to 36 hour mark. Throwing in a longer fast every now and then is, is good to keep, to keep mixing it up and to, you know, to push your boundaries and to learn how to uh, interpret hunger cues and build healthy relationship right. with food. But again, we always talk about beginning with the end in mind, which is making sure that we get the result. And for the first time ever, 
in my life of, of dealing with being the heavy guy over 20 years was I finally got to keep it off and kind of give like the proverbial middle finger to, to the, to the failures of the past and say, you know what? No, I've got it. I figured it out, but it's always going to take that repetition. And, you know, one of the fears, like you had mentioned is, okay, am I going to crack, am I going to crash my metabolism or is this going to, you know, is is this going to, um, you know, become a problem long-term and the reality is no, as long as you keep varying, as long as you add in the exercise and consistency is the key long-term, if you adapt this as a lifestyle, you're only going to see the rewards and the benefits. Yeah. And, you know, something you said um, a minute ago about the interspersing, the periods of, you know, time that you're, that you're in that caloric deficit versus the times that you're not. That was one of those Mm -hmm. things where being very much in the black and white perfectionist mentality, I had done low and slow for a long, long time. And it was, it, it was one of those things where it was hard for me to understand why that would be beneficial. It, it was, I, I, I'm not sure why I just kind of had a mental block towards it. Um, but, but physiologically speaking, it, it makes sense because then we are, we are kind of undoing what, what the body's trying to adapt to. So, uh, you know, kind of reversing the effects of that, that homeostasis where the body gets comfortable and figures out how to adapt to what you're doing. So, you know, putting in those, those times where, you know, okay, you, you threw in a longer fast this week. Okay. Well, maybe it's time to go a few days or maybe a week or so where, where you're not pushing your pushing the gas so hard and, and okay, now this week's just kind of a maintenance week. And then I'm going to, you know, jump back into a more, uh, more of a fat loss mode the following week after that. And it, it makes sense. And, and it's a way to, to stay out of that kind of uh, homeostasis. So if we had to distill this down, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Tommy, and have you land the plane, as we like to say, mm-hmm. 84 episodes into this fasting for life podcast mm-hmm. journey. Um, shout out to you guys, the listeners too. We just, it's, it's, thank you for the five-star reviews. Those are our favorite kinds. Um, is this lifestyle may not be for everyone. Our message may not be for everyone. The good news is, is that the people that we have reached and it's now hundreds of thousands of you guys, which is just incredible to think when we started this, Tommy, um, we like to give you something to go do, right? Yeah. So some of these are more conversational. Some are more anecdotal. Sometimes you get a little nerdy, but we always like to, um, walk away with something that is actionable that you can go try. You can give us feedback on and you can put into your day-to-day life. So if we had to land the plane with one action step, um, what, what do you got? Well, I, you know, we, we've said that, that the interval 36 hours several times throughout this yeah. episode. So, so I'm going to encourage everyone that a, a 36 hour fast is something that most of your, or most of my friends and family have not done a 36 hour fast. So if you're, if you're right. that going, okay, well, I haven't done that before. How do I do that? What the easiest way to do it is going to be to have breakfast tomorrow and dinner the following day after that. That's probably the easiest way to do a 36 hour fast because you don't have to go a full day without eating anything. Um, and so yep. just, a, just an easy way to kind of, um, get into it and feel the benefits of it. And, and then just kind of expand your boundaries from there. Yeah. And that's going to be a direct way, contrary to the, uh, the, the, the title of the summary that I read, which was, you know, does, um, weight loss result in, uh, is it true that weight loss can result in a slow metabolism, right? Uh, you're going to get that 36 hour boost, right? So you're going to get that a direct way to actually go and boost your metabolism is doing that 36 hour fast. So if you're listening to this some, sometime on Tuesday, 
which is the day the episodes typically drop, um, then you will want to eat breakfast uh, if you catch it early enough on Tuesday right. and then eat dinner on Wednesday. Or if you're listening to this later in the day on Tuesday, then you can simply just eat breakfast on Wednesday and then wait to have dinner that following Thursday. And you will have accomplished a new way or a new tool in your fasting tool belt. If you've never done that exact fasting window before, why not give it a shot? There's a lot of cool physiological things that take place. Um, and I just want to mention the new resource, Tommy, that we have on the website as well. So if you're new to fasting, you might be like, ah, 36 hours. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. We <laughs> right. totally get it. So go ahead and go to thefastingforlife.com. You can download the Fast Start Guide. We have a new resources page um, that has the Fast Start Guide as well as the new uh, free resource, which is the insulin assessment. Yeah. And the insulin, we've been getting a lot of cool feedback on the insulin assessment. And we're just going to continue to build this stuff out based on the common uh, roadblocks or feedback that we get. So um, go check those out. Go to the website. If you're more of a beginner, download both, honestly, because um, they're both really awesome in our opinion, but we might be biased. So download the fast start guide for, to get a perspective on, you know, how to increase your fasting window and put one meal a day fasting into your day-to-day life for you long-term listeners or more experienced fasters, drop that 36 hour fast into your week, and then uh, go ahead and download the insulin assessment as well. Any final thoughts today, Tommy, as we wrap up? Yeah. And then, um, you know, post your review and post your questions, tell us how it's going and, uh, and yep. ask questions, submit, uh, submit questions for our next Q and a. Uh, that we'll be doing uh, as well. So thank you guys. For yeah, this. yeah, we love. Yeah, we love it. Info at thefastingforlife.com. Info at thefastingforlife.com. Shoot us a message. Shoot us a question, and we aggregate them, and then we do uh, periodic question and answer podcast episodes. So, yeah. as always, Tommy, thank you for your conversation. Thank you for your insights, and uh, we will talk soon. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. Fasting for Life.